0: Previously on Bristopia, our American intern exchange student, Justin Crocker, meet hey. Gavin. Hey, Justin. Oh, hey, Producer Sally. Do
1: you want to come sit in the park for a bit?
0: That sounds really fucking boring. Had I been spending too much time trying to be something more than what I needed to be? Do you want to get a piece with me sometime? What should I do? I was done. I received another email from the New York Times. They wanted me to make documentaries for them, too. This is it, guys. I'm going home. Local interest, city living, pressure points, totter down. Hello and welcome to Bristopia. I am your host Andy Price and we've got a fun packed episode for you today. Uh, Now, if you're new to the show, then hi, welcome. This is a radio show aimed at both Bristol residents and potential tourists or visitors. Uh, But if you are neither, but have a passing interest in gritty and investigative documentaries, well, I think we got you covered. So, what's in today's show? Well, actually, that's a good question. For those of you that haven't listened back to the past episodes, we generally start the show with a catch-up of all the weird and wonderful things that have taken place in this reckless urban area over the last few weeks. Here, we talk about the disastrous results of bumbling mayors, new business propositions, events, and all that other kind of jazz. Uh, And then we'll tend to have a guest or two in before finally our American intern exchange student, Justin Crockler, will present one of his soon-to-be award-winning documentaries to close out the show. Uh, but, well, at the end of his last piece, uh, last episode, he kind of, well, well, he left. This is it, guys. I'm going home. See? So, Justin's left me in the lurch, and he's gone back to America. So, I've had to find my own material for this week's main story at the end of the show. So, um, you know, that could be a bit ropey. Oh, hey, producer Sally. Um, She's just walked in the door. Now, Sally uh, was part of one of Justin's stories a couple of episodes ago uh, when they got pretty close and ended up going on a couple of dates. You knew Justin better than any of us, right, Sally? (laughs) Oh, Sally, what's up?
1: What's the matter? I just miss him so much. Who? Justin! Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, I've forgotten all about him. You two were dating, right? For two months. It was glorious. He was such a charmer. He didn't even like musicals, but he bought us tickets for Wicked at the Hippodrome, and he was so kind and generous, he said I could have both tickets. I took my mum.
0: Uh, I'm I'm not sure. That sounds like...
1: But then he just left. How could he do that to me? I thought, I thought he was the one.
0: That made this podcast worth listening to, right? Well, that's where you're wrong.
1: What are you talking about?
0: Don't worry, Sally. I'm going to help you forget all about him uh, because I'll be presenting this episode's main story later in the show, and it's going to be amazing.
1: Really? You know you've got to interview people in that, right? You're Well, you're not really a people person, are you?
0: Alright, you don't have to be a about it. Anyway, we better get on with the show, do you want to stick around for the news headlines? Sure. Alright. Here we go. Bristol released the Hounds this month. Over £510 notes in the shape of origami dogs were left scattered around the city. While an insurance company claimed to have run the scheme, I wouldn't rule the Bank of England out of responsibility as they attempt to make the concept of quantitative easing more fun. While the majority of dogs were retrieved and given new homes by lucky residents, the rest were rounded up and taken to the pound, where they were probably shot. Food Connections Festival, a festival all about food, has returned to the city. The whole of Bristol will be awash with food-related events, as if that couldn't even be any day of the year already. But you know I certainly wouldn't be one to knock extra food coming at my face from all angles. Though the only connection to food I really have is that my third cousin thinks he's a piece of broccoli. (laughs) CJ Hole infuriated thousands of people this month when they sent letters to landlords across the city, encouraging them to increase rents. The letting agent said they were only trying to recoup money lost after they accidentally sent the letter to their own landlord first. Dust Bowl, a new vintage shop, has opened up in the city, selling authentic 1950s clothing. I thought about whether my wardrobe may one day be hanging in a vintage shop, but considering I left a red sock in my last load of washing, it's unlikely. Even in another 50 years, I think people will struggle to believe that tie-dice or a second wave. Elsewhere, UKIP's Bristol candidate was uh, revealed to lead a double life as a porn star. Um, Something, something, if UKIP get in, we'll all be fucked. Uh, You can make up your own punchline for that one. I mean, come on. An article in the Bristol Post about the revelation said that his blogs for UKIP, quote, make no mention of his alternative career, (laughs) because I plastered this podcast all over my CV. Actually, I did put it on this week. (laughs) A man let residents choose his next tattoo in a bid to raise money for charity. Anyone who donated a fiver to his cause was able to submit a tattoo design, and the winning design was drawn from a hat. Turns out his mother won after making multiple submissions, which were all just a picture of a disappointed face. Withdrawn, a new installation by the same guy that came up with the Park Street water slide last year, was set up in Lee Woods. It featured an array of abandoned fishing boats marooned in the woods in a bid to highlight the decline of the fishing industry in the southwest. Local fishermen, however, were said to be confused by the project, noting that in their experience they'd never caught anything in the woods aside from a couple dogging and mild hypothermia. Oh, and we couldn't let a mention of the outdoor cinema slide. In the last few weeks, everyone's timeline has been infested with notifications about friends joining the outdoor cinema event. You must have seen this. Even your 81-year-old Nan's 14 equally elderly Facebook friends have probably all said they're attending. And it wasn't just Bristol that was set to host the event at a yet-to-be-disclosed location at a yet-to-be-disclosed time, showing a yet-to-be-disclosed film for a yet-to-be-disclosed price. Multiple and identical events had sprung up across the UK. Apparently, the whole thing is all down to an over-ambitious student who decided that a good business plan starts with a Facebook event. Though I'd much rather believe it was 30 entirely separate people from different areas of the country that all just had the really bad thought out idea at the same time. I think that'd be funnier. There we go. Do you feel better now, Sally?
1: To be honest, I usually fast-forward through the show until Justin's documentary comes on. Well, there won't be a documentary from Justin Will there because
0: he's dead. He's not dead, Andy. All right, well, he is to me, and I'd be even more pissed if my replacement documentary wasn't so damn good. What
1: is it, anyway? It's
0: about the animals on a city farm with behavioural
1: disorders. Good luck with that. Thanks.
2: That nighttime devours the day, it is doubly true that every morning the sun returns to
3: frighten away the cowardly
0: darkness. Right, well, that main story is coming up later, so do stay with us. But next up, we've got something pretty special, too, okay? Uh, sky plane spotted in skies over Bristol. Uh, that's what a headline from the Bristol Post cried earlier this month. Now, my own uncertainty over the pluralisation of skies aside, because surely there is only one sky, this was actually a pretty cool story. Uh, though I'm not sure how many of you saw it, because few other media outlets covered it. But uh, the Bristol Post did post up um, photos of the plane in the sky, so you can check that out. But you would have to go to their website. Uh, The plane itself was believed to be a Britain-Norman Defender aircraft, which carries a host of high-tech equipment, normally used for surveillance, so that's pretty creepy. Though, what it was doing exactly is still a bit of a mystery, which makes complete sense when you think about it. It's a spy plane. The Bristol Post certainly didn't read too much into it, believing it part of a recent NATO exercise, but then that's where the gripping, investigative nature of Bristopia comes in. We didn't buy this exercise, so I passed the story over to our tech team, who found what this spy plane was up to was something a little bit more suspicious. Remarkably, they were able to access the plane's black box and access some audio directly from the cockpit. Let's hear it.
1: 140, 140, this is your captain speaking. We are now flying at 25,000 feet. It is now safe for you to remove your seatbelt. Do some radio spying.
2: Now we're in the air, I can explain our mission to you, Mr Fleetwood. Atticus Fleetwood. Right? That's your name? Uh yes. Fucking hell. Right then, Atticus. My name's Quentin Stockford. Hey, don't fucking hell me, Quentin. Right. I'm so sorry I had to take you away from your game of giant Jenga. I needed someone with your specific sets of uh, style to uh, help with a very important mission. We're looking for a very specific type of lifestyle. I guess you could look at this like some sort of uh, hipster kingsman situation. I am no hipster. Really, Atticus? Because it's quite obvious to me that isn't a natural curl in your moustache. What is this metal box, anyway? So old-school. Yes, it was uh, built in the 1970s. Man, it's well did What? George Oh. Uh, no. How does it still fly? Oh, it's good old-fashioned diesel-boy. Not any of that bloody beard or you run your crypto-scooters on. What is this mission there? We're looking for a new London borough. We've been flying for hours and uh... just put it on the edge now. Well, yes, uh, we're in Bristol, actually. That's miles. That's way too far out to be part of London. Yes, we still maintain the Falkland Islands to be British! (laughs) Why does London need a new barrow? What's wrong with the other ones? Okay, I'll level with you, Atticus. I'm from a secret military department known as the Ministry for Stimulating Gentrification, or MSG. We're on the verge of disaster! We're running out of areas in a city that everyday people can afford to live in and gentrification is slowing down. Isn't that a good thing? No! If we can't keep moving middle-class white people like you into poor areas of London, the growth will stagnate and the economy will fail! Why? Because London is the economy! God! Damn it, man! So why are you trying to creep Bristol? Well, we've, uh, we've had eyes on in the city for quite a long time now, and uh, it's very clear to us it's only a few tiny baby steps away from going completely up its own arse. What are these steps? Well, it's not like it has a buffoon-like mayor. Everyone's rejected that notion, right? Ah, no. Actually, Bristol's one of the places that did vote one in, and it's not going very well. Imperfect! So we need you to go in there and convince the city that it's part of London so we can carry on with the unsustainable growth that the whole city is built on. Now, we've been planting the seedlings, but you're the man to bring them to life. You're going to start a tattoo parlor. Neck tattoos only. Oh, there will be a coffee machine. Okay, okay. You will be the first place to only sell cortados. And in the summer, you're going to set up a paddling pool on the deck of the front of your shop. And... You'll employ someone to roll a spliff all day. But he must never finish it. I think I'm going to pass. I've got my pop-up sandwich crisp van. going really well. It's too late. We're dropping you here. We got that parachute. You can supply your ridiculous crisp sandwiches to the people of Bristol. Let it spread like a zombie infection. By eximus we'll have the entire M4 corridor. Actually, sir, we might have a problem here. Captain Rogers?
0: Um, I may have messed up. When Atticus said, well, ditch, my flight training sort of kicked in subconsciously. And during that whole conversation you two just had, I've been ditching the plane.
2: We're, ooh, um, let me see, uh, I'm 400 feet from the ground. You know, Rogers, you could have interrupted us much earlier.
0: Um, yes, I'm sorry, sir. I was trying to be polite. I, um, I, I love you. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, at least Bristol is safe. For now. Right, here we are, it's time for our main story. Now, I had Justin's big shoes to fill, but where he followed in the footsteps of his This American Life hero Ira Glass, I stayed a little bit closer to home and took £10,000 from Bristopia's petty cash to enrol in my own documentary training programme run by my hero Louis Theroux. Incidentally, we're now taking sponsorship applications because I've kind of bankrupted us. However, I can now stare an unwilling subject in the eye for three full minutes at a distance of just 10 centimetres. Plus, I've already had three voicemails from a Randy Christine Hamilton. See, Sally, Justin isn't the only sexy documentary maker in the world.
1: I don't think I want to hear this.
0: Tough shit. Why
1: are you bleeping out your swearing?
0: Because it's more economical than a swear jar. Now, while I was searching for this week's story, I came across a small facility opening up within one of our city farms that was dealing with a very serious issue. It was being run by a brash man in cargo shorts and a safari hat called Bob Wildlife. Let's find out more about the facility for emotionally and physically disabled animals. In today's modern society, the medical profession largely recognises nine different types of depression. From seasonal affective disorder to postnatal depression, there are medically recognised symptoms and solutions. But what if there was a group that lies outside of this formula of diagnosis? How can they be cared for or even rehabilitated into everyday society? Today, I've come to a small facility just outside of Bristol City Centre to find out a little more about them. We well, all started with um, a, a, an incident. This is Bob Wildlife, the owner and director of the programme.
3: I was walking around a farm, it was a sunny Saturday afternoon, and uh, one of the llamas leaned over the gate, ate my cornetto, and then gobbed in my eye, and then called me a bellend.
0: Welcome to St Werburghs City Farm, It's home to pigs, goats, rabbits, ducklings, and over the last 12 months has become the largest facility for behavioral disorders in animals. It now operates under the title of the Facility for Emotionally and Physically Disabled Animals, or FEPTA. Now, it may read like a government organization with top-secret plans for the imprisonment of large swathes of the human race, but in reality, that's not the case. It could be much more sinister. Today, we're looking at occupants of this facility, their story, and how they ended up here. To
3: be honest, the uh, incident with the Wall was pretty much the worst display of antisocial behaviour I'd ever
0: come across. Bob said that this was the turning point, and that a number of the animals under his care had begun to develop behavioural problems. See those birds? The ones building a nest.
3: Well, no, they're, they're collecting all these sticks... And then they put them in really weird, specific patterns. I mean, it's, it's essentially OCD, isn't it? It just looks like they're making a nest. Are you an expert on birds, mate? No. Well, I am. This is a symptom. These birds are unhinged, like the door and the ladies.
0: What other animals have you diagnosed?
3: Well, there's uh, Terry. He's got uh hyper-localized Tourette's. What do you mean? As soon as dawn breaks, he just starts shouting like a lunatic.
0: And what animal is Gary? He's a cockroach. Is Bob Wildlife misdiagnosing his animals, or is he recognizing the presence of what was once believed to be human illnesses within the animal kingdom? I was taking some time getting to know the different animals at the facility, like Ralph, a chameleon who I had the chance to play a game of chess with. Ralph had been on his journey to checkmate me for some time now, gradually camouflaging himself as a queen piece to take my rook. Ralph, I can see your eyes underneath the crown. I know you're cheating. And then I began to wonder, was this a simple game of chess gone rogue? Or was Ralph displaying signs of an antisocial personality disorder? Shortly Bob returned to the yard with an iPad, wanting to show me further evidence of behavioural disorders in animals, this time outside the facility. What
3: about this guy here?
0: So what we're looking at here is a video of a goat screaming. (coughs) And what do you see in this video?
3: But it's clearly a severe case of post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh my... Well, naturally, a goat is a very passive animal. The, the natural state is to stand around eating grass, giving the ground a gentle haircut. It's lovely. Not like this guy. He's clearly suffering. And if this was one of your goats, how would you treat it? Some kind of heavy dose of diazepam and barbiturates, I would imagine. <laughs>
0: I wasn't sure if Bob was joking, but as my laughter rang off past the pig pen, I was starting to believe that there was maybe something behind what Bob was saying. These animals certainly seemed to be behaving in ways we diagnose as abnormal in humans. Was Bob onto something? My mind changed rapidly, however, when I approached a cage at the end of the farm that I hadn't seen before. Help! Help me! Oh, hello. What's your name? Emma. Are you playing a game?
2: No, Uncle Bob locked me in.
0: How long have you been here?
2: Since my parents dropped me off earlier this week.
0: It had become clear that Bob had placed his niece in a cage like some kind of wild child animal. Bob, I just met your niece. She's not out, is she? Why have you put her behind a wire fence?
3: Well, I went into the primary school the other day to talk to her and the rest of the children about dormice. And I was about halfway through explaining the origin of the word dormice. And uh, I looked at her and I happened to catch her eyes and she was just glazed over, zoned out, sat there impassively, like like she wasn't so there. So she was bored? I don't think it was that. How would that... What, I can't even... No, I don't think... But I, I, I've diagnosed her. With what? This complete lack of emotion. That's a clear sign of early onset psychopathy. Um, I've locked her up until we can get a full psychiatric evaluation, which is probably going to be next week sometime once I finish building the... Um, Uh, electric shock treatment machine. We're an independent facility. We just work with what we've got. Um, And we've got some chicken wire and an old car battery.
0: What Bob was saying was clearly a demonstration of his malpractice. I felt silly getting caught up in his world, believing that animals were a victim of disorder. I confronted the animal keeper in a final showdown. Bob, I don't think you've given me one example of how you're benefiting these animals. How can you say you're caring for them when your methods are potentially damaging? Quite damaging? I'll tell you what's
3: damaging. Let me tell you about George, our turtle. George was showing signs of agoraphobia. Every morning at 8am I'd open his hutch, I'd come back half an hour later, he'd barely have moved outside. Even by lunchtime he'd hardly made it out. Uh, and we, So we started doing some intensive therapy, one-on-one, just me and George, and... Uh, came to realise that he was suffering from some kind of social anxiety, what we used to call shyness. So um, organised a party, got a lot of the local foxes to come round and uh, George really came out of his shell. Uh, and he seems to have gone off with him to, to have a better and more fulfilling life. And where'd he go? Well, I don't know exactly, but uh, presumably they have to come back for the shell at some point, right? I, um, <laughs> I, I miss him. I don't know, Bob. It sounds like those animals are dangerous. No, they're his friends... He didn't have friends before. Well, he had one friend, but, you know, apparently
0: apparently, I
3: wasn't good enough for him.
0: With this, I began to feel a little sorry for Bob Wildlife. While misguided, as the afternoon continued, he began to show real passion and love for his animals. What I'm doing here
3: is a force for good. I shouldn't have to jump through hoops getting training or licensing or knowledge or expertise... To be honest, this health and safety, green party, Clarkson bashing bullshit really gets my go.
0: Now that surprises me. As the owner of a farm, I would have thought you had concerns for animal welfare and pollution. I
3: don't know why you'd think that. My farm's in the middle of a bloody city. The pigs have got the lung capacity of Jack Nicholson on holiday in Cuba. OK, you see that rabbit? Where? That one. Jumping in the pond. That's just the tip of the iceberg. What's he doing? Jumping in the pond all the time. That's a duck, Bob. Oh yeah, you're, you're right. Sorry, Jim. You're all right. Carry on. I guess the thing is, I'm animal blind. I'm I'm humanist and I'm animalist. I don't distinguish between animals or children or people. They're just individuals that need my help, my guidance. These animals have been abandoned. They're on their own. None of the parents come to visit them. I'm in loco parentis. I'm being paternal. People don't respect animals like I do. You know, Cats don't want to be all over the internet. They want their privacy, but we don't listen. What if someone uploaded a video of you every time you walked into a door or fell into a bath or tried to jump onto a wall and just fell a bit short?
0: What Bob doesn't realise is that there are human beings living the reality of these illnesses every day. By treating these animals like humans, he's treating these people like animals. I'm wondering if you might be um, a bit of a nasty man, Bob. What are you...
3: (sighs) Actually, you know what? Maybe I am. I guess you wouldn't be the first to say it. My best friend, he calls me an arsehole all the time. He says he's joking, but I know. He thinks I'm a pile of trash. Maybe I am. I just want, I want to do something good in my life. And these animals, well, they stick around. I just don't want to be the guy that recognises a cry for help and does nothing. It's my paternal nature. and I just, I just love them so much. You know, I can't have kids.
0: But you've got plenty of baby goats.
3: I mean, actual children. That's okay, i I got it. I'm used to being on my own. Maybe baby goats are as good as I deserve.
2: Hey, Uncle Bob, me and the other animals have been talking. We know we're not perfect. Well, I guess we're just glad we've got someone that cares this much about us. Really?
0: The sun set that day on some Werberg city farm, with a little less doubt in the air, like a cloud had been lifted from the uncertainty that surrounded this new facility. Bob's methods might not be the right approach, some of them are downright dangerous, but you can't say the man doesn't care for his kids. Or the piglets. Bob showed me that maybe humans and animals are more similar than I was willing to believe. What I'm trying to say is, is if this little piglet right here has psychotic tendencies, well, that's all right with me. You
3: could call this bit uh, a walk on the wildlife, because my name's Bob Wildlife.
0: Well, think about it. And that's it for this week. Hope you enjoy my documentary, The First of Many, No Doubt. Oh, great. Sally, all right. I know you're hurting. I know you miss Justin. his phenomenally accurate and well-crafted documentaries, but it's been a month. You need to get over him.
1: I don't think I can carry on with the podcast, Andy. Sally, you can't
0: leave. I'd have to do this whole thing by myself. Imagine that. <laughs> I... <laughs>
1: Andy, are you all right?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I miss him too. His next documentary was going to be about a startup that organises strip poker-themed office parties. I was so excited about that one. I miss his voice too, and when he came into the office, the way he used to hold my hand because I was afraid of the elevator.
1: Well, I guess we're both a little lonely now, aren't we?
0: But hey, at least we have each other.
1: Yeah, we do, don't we? I'm glad about that.
0: Me too. So I guess there's only really one thing for it then. Yeah? Yeah. Come here. And book some bloody plane tickets, a hotel and a ticket to Disneyland cause we're going to New York. Uh,
1: Disneyland isn't in New
0: York? Who fucking cares? We're going to Disneyland. We're gonna go get Justin Uh, back.
1: Justin didn't go to Disneyland.
0: Fine, then book us some flights to wherever Disneyland is, then another flight the next day to New York to see Justin, and then buy me a spare pack of pants for when I shit myself on Space Mountain. God, I hate you. You'll change your mind when I get you Goofy's autograph. Part 2 of Where For Out Thou, Justin will continue next month. Today's episode of Bristopia was written by myself, Andy Price, and featured either writing or voice contributions from Ellen Waddell, Dan Izzard, Luke Sargent, Emily Waddell, Owen pachusco Mickey Baker, Emma Revel richard Challens and ben thurston as bob wildlife please do follow us on facebook forward slash bristopia and on twitter forward slash bristopia pod and for more information and show notes go to chaplainmoustachecomedy.co.uk forward slash bristopia this episode was brought to you in technicolor